Happy New Year. Depending upon your basic personalities, as well as a number of individual quirks about each and every one of us, changes, things that are different, such as age or health or children or condition of loved ones or situations at work, it's fair to assume that each and every one of us will enter into this new year a little bit differently. For example, some of us enter into the year with a sense of confidence. I'm sure. This is going to be a great year. Some even with anticipation. I'm looking forward to this year because this is going to be the year that, fill in the blank. I graduate from college, I get married, we have our first child or our first grandchild, or I retire. Whatever it might be, there's maybe something really special on the calendar for you this year. On the other hand, other people enter into a new year with a, a great deal of uncertainty. I just feel uncomfortable. I'm not certain what this year is going to hold. Others are even worse. They have a, a sense of apprehension. Oh, I know what's going to happen this year, and it's not going to be good. And then there are some who are philosophical. Ah, it's a new year. What will be, will be, and whatever happens, happens. Life goes on. I think chances are that each of us could find ourselves on several places along that spectrum I just mentioned. We stand at the beginning of another new year with all of its uncertainties and all of its surprises. And as we do that, and I, I was going to look this up, and I, the, the number I came up with, the number I found, and I'm not sure, you know, I found it on the internet, so it must be right. But in the last century, in the 20th century, only four, well, actually, this is a football statistic, so I know it's right. Since the Rose Bowl, since the Rose Bowl started in 1890, they decided not to have the parade on a Sunday because they didn't want the parade to startle the horses of churchgoers and thus uh, disturb the churches. So they decided not to have the Rose Bowl parade on a Sunday. And that happened 14 times between 1890 and now 1917. So only 14 times in the last 125 years has the first day of the year fallen on a Sunday. So it's somewhat rare that this happens, and here we are on the, the first day of the new year of, of 2017, and it's a Sunday. So I thought it would be appropriate if we would take a look at, at perhaps one of King David's most popular and well-known, it's even part of the liturgy, we used part of the words in the liturgy a little bit earlier, Psalm 51. It's a, song, it's a psalm that has to do with dealing with the old and moving forward with the new. And the topic, or the title I chose for this sermon is The Joy of Our Salvation. So as we enter a new year, let's, let's do it, looking at Psalm 51, trying to find God's sense of guidance for how we look at the past and how we move forward into the future. The Joy of Our Salvation. In Psalm 51, which was just read a moment ago, just these verses from starting in verse 10, Create me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
when I was at the seminary, one of the professors I had who taught the, the art of preaching uh, challenged us one day. Sometimes we would do exercises in these preaching classes to teach us different aspects about preaching. And one time he came into class and he quoted from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 19, where the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the church in Corinth about the importance of, of spiritual gifts, especially the importance of speaking in tongues. But he said it's more important to do this. And he said, in church worship, I would rather speak five words that can be understood in order to make God's word clear to others than to speak thousands of words in a beautiful language that nobody can understand. So the professor said, okay, he said, I want you uh, in the next 45 minutes that's left in the period to come up with a sermon title that has five words in it and each one of the points of your sermon can only have five words in it. If St. Paul could do it in five words, let's see if you can do it. And for some reason, I was remembering that experience as I was writing this sermon. And so we're going to do it in five words. The joy of your salvation. Okay? There are many combinations of five words in the scripture that are truly meaningful. If we are to, to recapture the joy of our salvation, then to this morning, and you can fill this in on the sermon outline, there are three combinations of five words that will help us uh, launch into a new year. The first of these are words we are very, very reluctant to speak. I'm sorry, I have sinned. King David, the writer of Psalm 51, found that the joy of salvation only when he was willing to say those five words. For a long time, David had spent a lot of time and energy trying to hide some very, very grievous sins he had committed. He had tried to deny the guilt that was, that was eating him up. He had committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, another man's wife, and it resulted in her becoming pregnant. He tried to cover up the pregnancy, and when that didn't work, he then decided that the best way to do it was to kill the woman's, or have the woman's husband murdered and then he would marry the woman and no one would know the difference. And so he did that. He married Bathsheba after her husband was killed in battle and imagined that all would be well. But he would not say those five important words. I have sinned. I am sorry. I have sinned. Instead, he spoke five other words. Nobody will be the wiser. But it didn't work. He couldn't cover it up. He couldn't deny it. He couldn't find peace. He lost the joy of salvation. And this close relationship he had with God began to unravel and was frayed, and he just felt miserable. Listen to him as he describes his sense in another psalm. David wrote, When I kept silent about my sins, my bones began to weaken because of my groaning all day long. Day and night your hand laid heavy on me. My strength shriveled like a plant in the summer heat. Finally, God sent the prophet Nathan to David when, when David was trying to continue to hide his sin and his guilt. And the prophet Nathan came to David and told him a story. He said, David, there once was a man who owned flocks of sheep and, and herds of cattle, and he had everything that he wanted. And one time he had a friend come over for dinner, but instead of using one of his own animals, he went to his neighbor and stole the one little lamb that he had and used that to feed his guest. 
At first, David didn't get what Nathan was saying. Instead, David heard the story and he flew into a rage. And he said, as the Lord lives and as long as I'm king, the man who did that should certainly die. Nathan pointed his finger. David, you are that man. And then Nathan reminded David how the Lord had blessed him abundantly, had given him the kingdom, had given him victory in battle, had given him everything that he ever asked for. And Nathan said, why have you despised the Lord so much? Why have you despised the Lord and done such evil in his sight? And hearing that word of condemnation, David's heart broke. And he broke down crying and confessed, I have sinned against the Lord. And then David prayed, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Only when David confessed his sin, only when he said, I'm sorry I have sinned, did he find what he prayed for. Did he rediscover the joy of his salvation? And then his broken heart was healed. The prophet Nathan assured David, David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. And with this reassurance, the joy of salvation was, re was restored to David. And in recognition of what he had done, David wrote Psalm 51. As you read through the psalm, you can, this is a, it's a wonderful story in this psalm of, of David's journey from uh, understanding and recognizing his sin, his confession, his, 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 abs his, uh, his contriteness, his confession, and finally the words of absolution. The, Lord, the way the Lord restored the joy of salvation. Psalm 51 isn't just about a king a long time ago. It's a psalm that speaks to each and every one of us. God says that one of the reasons that we don't always experience the joy of our salvation, that the joy that God wants us to have, is because we are not ready to say those five little words. I'm sorry, I have sinned. Instead, we want to come up with our own five words. Of course I'm not perfect. And with those words, we try to deny our guilt. It was her fault. She made me do it. With those five words, we try to push the blame onto someone or something else. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake. And the snake blamed circumstances. We blame someone who tempted us, the circumstances in which we found himself, our family background, on and on and on and on, a long list of words to, to avoid saying what we really need to say. I'm sorry, I have sinned. And as long as we keep denying the fact of our sin, as long as we keep pushing off the responsibilities of what we have done, we move further and further away from experience what God wants us to experience the joy of our salvation. The Bible says it very plainly. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all wrongdoing. If we want to recapture if we want to restore, if we want to experience more fully the joy of our salvation, then there are five words we must speak regularly with understanding and with sincerity. I'm sorry, I have sinned.
There are five other words that are necessary to experience the joy of our salvation. I believe in Jesus Christ. St. Paul's life provides a good illustration of that. There was a time when Paul, then known as Saul, felt and spoke five horrible words. I hate Jesus of Nazareth. At that time, Paul did not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the promised Savior. Paul was a prominent leader of the Pharisees. He was a religious zealot, and he believed that Jesus was destroying the Jewish religion. He hated Christ so much that he persecuted those who believed in him. And if you believe what Paul says later, he was saying that he never experienced the joy of salvation at that point. One day, Paul was on a trip to Damascus to hunt down more followers of Jesus. He was going there to track them down, round them up, and have them killed. But that day on the road to Damascus, the living Christ came to him and appeared to him and said, Paul, stop, or Saul, stop persecuting me. And Paul's heart was changed in that encounter. Paul arose and went to the city and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And from that time on, Paul's life was ruled by the joy of his salvation, a joy that he said, nothing can take from you. If you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, then good things happen. He wrote, that Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, we find the joy of salvation when we speak with understanding and with faith those five words. I believe in Jesus Christ. What does it mean to speak those words with understanding and faith? It means to say that we believe that Jesus is true God and true man. Just a moment ago in the liturgy, we confessed together the words of the Nicene Creed. And if you work through the Nicene Creed, you'll find each and every one of those points in there. We believe that Jesus was true God and true man. We believe that Jesus fulfilled the law of God perfectly, something no human being could do. We believed that he died for my sins. We believe that he rose from the dead. We believe that he will live and rule forever. And most importantly, we say, I believe he is my savior too, that he forgives my sins. When we believe those words that we confess, what we're saying is, I believe in Jesus Christ. Finally, our text suggests one more combination of five words that's important for the joy of salvation. I will share my joy. Psalm 51, David wrote, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. That was, J that was David's way of saying, I will share my joy. The joy of salvation can be both be ours and be increased in us if we can speak with understanding and conviction those five words. 
I will share my joy. You see, it, our life as a Christian can go one of two ways in any situation. If we try to keep salvation for ourselves and we refuse to share it, the danger is that we will lose what we were trying to hoard. If I know someone who does not believe that Jesus is Christ, and I say, well, that's their decision, that's none of my business, then I'm being indifferent to his or her spiritual welfare. And if I'm really indifferent about the spiritual welfare of others, the joy of our salvation can begin to slip away. If we hear the needs of mission and missionaries and speak five words, let them look out for themselves, we can actually deprive others of salvation. If we hear of some Christian service that can be rendered, a service that we are able to do, and we say, here am I, Lord, send her, then we risk having the joy of our salvation slip away. But on the other hand, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's a miracle, actually. If we share our joy, we find out that we have more than when we started. It's been demonstrated again and again that when we speak to others and tell them about Christ and his salvation, then the joy of our salvation actually becomes more meaningful for us. And it's not dependent upon whether the person responds or listens to or takes action on what we tell them. It's simply the fact of sharing what it is we believe that increases our joy. A heart never grows cold from loving. You can't give away the love of God. All you can do is pass it on, and it's continually restored. A Christian is never weakened by serving. A joy is never lost by sharing it. For instance, if you have a new grandchild, and you tell somebody, oh, I have wonderful news, I have a new grandchild, and suddenly say, oh man, now I've lost that joy. It doesn't happen that way, right? It's increased. And that's what David was saying. As you share the joy of your salvation, God increases, fills up your reservoir so that it's overflowing. It's an amazing thing. There are people in our congregation who share the joy of their salvation by speaking of Christ, of, of his love and of his peace to people they meet in their everyday lives. Their husbands and wives who tell the story of their marriage being reinvigorated because they began daily to share with each other the joy of their salvation. There are young people who have found a new joy in salvation when instead of being afraid to share the good news, they share that good news and they see it change the lives of those about them. So whenever and wherever we have the opportunity to share our joy, say these five meaningful words. I will share my joy. And I guarantee that God will bless it. The joy of our salvation, that's an important gift from God. I pray that it would be at the, at the center of our lives in this new year of 2017. We pray that, that God will bless us, that he will remind us regularly of the importance of five words of when necessary, saying, I'm sorry, I have sinned. 
of sharing with others the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ and remembering that my life will be blessed because I will share my joy. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, restore to me the joy of my salvation. It was a prayer that David prayed and a, and a prayer that springs to our lips on this first day of the new year. Lord, we remember the necessity of saying, I'm sorry, I have sinned. The importance of remembering who it is that we believe in. I believe in Jesus Christ. And the, the, the joy of sharing my joy. Lord, bless us in living that life that you give us so that we too might enjoy every day the benefits of the joy of our salvation. In his name, amen.